0: I leave to you.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the Talk Film Society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves, all the time. I'm Sam Van Herren, assistant editor at TFS, and a lifelong fan. Of the singular Keanu Reeves. I am your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Each week, a guest and I discuss a film from his filmography, which we've been working through in a chronological order. Uh, On this episode, we'll be discussing A Scanner Darkly. To discuss the surreal sci fi satire, I'm happy to welcome back once again Marcelo Pico from TFS. Uh, You are the first to join the Three Timers Club on Keanu Believe It, I believe. Yes. Uh, How does it feel?
0: (laughs) feels great uh can't wait to get that blazer i'm sure I'm, I'm gonna get in the mail from you sam um and i promise to you and the listeners is that this might be my last episode you know i just wanted to jump on this one for for, for very selfish reasons but uh but yeah but this will be the last you hear from me on can believe
1: it oh oh sad sad face all right uh who knows uh keanu's gonna be around for a while maybe In maybe uh, yeah so we'll see But, uh, yeah, I'm glad to have you on for this one. Uh, This is one of my... uh, So I hadn't seen it in a while, uh, but it was... This was one of the movies that I... I remember one of the first movies I saw when I was, like, fully engaged in, like, the uh, movie... Like, you know, the making of movies before they came out and, like, you know, obsessing over uh, details of movies and the process of movies. And so this was kind of a big deal for me, I remember, as a teenager, but it had been a long time since I revisited. Uh, So I was very happy to get to this point uh, in Keanu's career.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's such
1: an interesting movie.
0: Yeah, uh, I saw this uh, back, I think, a few months after it came out on DVD. Um, I was in the Air Force, and there's a point in the Air Force when I was just sitting around not doing anything, Uh, so I just pulled out my laptop and... Me and my friends just watched movies all the time. This is one of those movies. I remember watching this, uh, Crank, Borat, (laughs) all all in a quick uh, succession. But this one stood out, obviously, because it's great. Um, But, you know, it's been one I've always wanted to revisit uh, because I just remember pitting parts of it and being kind of stunned by the animation and the performances and the story. Uh, But, yeah, but that was like... Well, like 12, 13 years ago now. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I sat down and rewatched it, uh, just yesterday. So, yeah. Um, again, one reason why I forced, I forced you, Sam, to, to have me on for this episode.
1: <laughs> just to force you to rewatch it yourself. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah. So I was freshman, sophomore in high school when it came out and it was, uh, great. I mean, I, I remember seeing it in theaters with my brother, uh, and this is funny that i guess i uh i'm actually surprised that i saw this in theaters because it would be one of those most of those that kind of movie where you wish you had thought you had caught it in theaters oh
0: yeah i'm i'm jealous of that actually sam i I missed it in theaters and uh every time they play it here in austin because it's it's a link letter film uh uh, scanner darkly so they play it here you know every once in a while i i always miss the screenings so i've never seen it in theaters not yet anyway
1: and I, th- I think it was one of those. Mo- I think it was the first movie I saw at the uh, Sundance Theater that sadly don't exist anymore. But they, uh, that w- Mad- uh, my town of Madison was one of the first. I think it was the second place to actually get a Sundance Theater. Uh, so I think this was the first movie I saw there because uh, it was kind of the you know the art house type movies. And so of course it's this is going to end up there. And uh, I remember loving it even though I didn't get it at the time. Like I yeah. just. Obsessed with, I mean, I was obviously, I was a Keanu fan at the time, uh, obviously, and, but, and then uh, Linklater fan too, that like, I confused, obviously, I was obsessed with that as a teenager. Uh, still am, but the, uh, so I just liked it because of those things, and it's funny too, so it's like, even if you're not getting the more uh, weirdness of it, or the subtext of it, it's still a very enjoyable uh, movie. Something I picked up on this, it's basically one of Linklater's Hangout movies, It just happens to be about involve insane, paranoid, uh, drug hallucinations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm glad I rewatched it now after having, because like when I first watched this back like, what, 13 years ago, I, I may have not seen, I may have only seen School of Rock in terms of Linklater. I was not big into uh, Linklater back then, but now obviously, uh, I love Slackers. I love, uh, Days to Confuse. Uh, all the before movies, Boyhood, one of my favorite to the last ten years. Like all those amazing movies, Love, Linklater, more and more. Even now, having seen him in Austin, <laughs> you know, I just saw him last week. He was like doing a Q and A for for uh, for Miss Bala. just He's just a fixture here in Austin. So now having you know uh, watched it again, uh, Scanner Darkly, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Sam. This is closer to like. Slackers, just confused, like he, just, he's just you know a bunch of, uh bunch of slackers for lack of a better word, just hanging around, goofing off, and doing crazy shit. So yeah, it's it's like oh, it's it's uh, it's a perfect Linklater movie. It's a perfect mixture of Linklater and Philip K. Dick. And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's a yeah, it is a Philip K. Dick book. Uh, and I I remember I so I saw the theaters, and then I remember like tenth grade, eleventh grade English, we had a assignment where we had to like compare. A book and then the movie adaptation uh, and I originally was going to do this but then realized that I was like not equipped to do it so I remember I think <laughs> I did ended up doing V for Vendetta instead but I remember like uh, just trying to do that and like read the book and I'm like I don't know how I'm going to write a report about this but uh, but I uh, it's funny because originally Linklater was going to try to make uh, one of uh, Philip Dick's more Abstract novels, uh, Ubik, he was going to turn that Into a movie, but he couldn't figure it out So I think it almost feels like Maybe he read this Scanner Darkly and like That kind of, you know he, he, It's uh, I could adapt That to my uh, Sense of style and uh, My voice and It worked out really well, because this movie I think it's really, I t- tweeted about it After watching it again last night, like This is not talked about nearly enough
0: No, no it's not um and uh another reason why you know I wanted to talk about it here is because uh, I don't hear people talking about this movie and and other work by Linklater you know overall um and yeah it's I've never I haven't read the book Darkly. I'm not too familiar with Philip K. Philip K Dick's uh uh work in general like I haven't read I don't think any of his books but it just that sense of um, Linklater putting Philip K. Philip K. Dick's voice ahead of you know Linklater's own, like we say right. that, yeah. Like there are moments when you know these you know uh, these characters are just hanging out doing crazy stuff. You know um, what surprised me with this rewatch was just how serious in tone it ends up being, mm-hmm. like how it talks about addiction, like it's it kind of. Uh, uh, It has that. Of course, it's a sci-fi movie. It's 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 a Philip K. Dick story, but it never, like, it it never back backs away from what's trying to say about addiction, the the seriousness of it, how um, we as a society have just let you know that portion of of the population down. Right. Um, It got me emotionally by the end, and it, it just felt very much like link later made you know made room for philip k dick's voice um and 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 you know i it was an emotional impact by the end of the movie then i went you know to read some about um the story and and philip k dick and like that that story a scanner darkly is is semi semi-autobiographical because a lot of that stuff that happened in the book happened to him in real life so yeah
1: yeah, it was part of that la drug scene in the 70s and so he saw his friends that you know talked about like how there's some of the best people he ever knew that were let down by... Uh, you know, there's a line at the ending of the uh, movie is how the book actually started, was is he, him dedicating it to uh, his friends that he lost to addiction and him saying basically like uh, they were punished far too greatly for what they decided to do. So it's like that is just, it's just, yeah, it's really heartbreaking and uh, I mean it's almost is almost filling that uh, you know Philip K. Dick role almost, but the but also, uh, which we'll get into about how the twists and turns of the movie. But yeah, I yeah. agree that even though there are some very funny sequences, at its heart, it's just it's ultimately very sad and a bleak uh, portrait of uh, society.
0: Yeah, and and one reason why it should be talked about more today, especially in 2019, is because like this problem has not gone away. It's gotten even even worse, you know, since 2006 when this first came out. So the problem of addiction is, is in the news constantly and you know this movie handles it so well so adeptly and from from a, a personal standpoint from from philip k dick and also i'm sure Linklater, you know has, has gone through that too so yeah um it's it's a funny sci-fi movie at times sure but man does it pack that punch by the
1: especially end. that final scene which we'll yeah talk about yeah in a little bit uh but yeah the opening uh yeah i like how it you know it says it's it's Philokadic novels, so obviously, it's going to be set in the future, uh, but I like how. But this one is its the least amount of future uh, for his. I think it's appropriate because, again, he's dealing with very real and personal things, and so he wants to say, like. Because if he said it 100 years from now, people would go, oh, it's never going to happen. That's just a fantasy. But the fact that it's seven years from now and it doesn't actually say what the date is gives it that good kind of feeling of where you're not really sure. I mean, it's. And it, it feels very much like the modern day, but there just happens to be crazy camouflage suits and stuff
0: (laughs) yeah um you know uh coming to it now uh i i I guess in my head i always thought it was more futuristic more Mm sci-fi but yeah like the 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 biggest sci-fi element is that suit that uh keanu reeves wears as an undercover agent that just camouflages him uh has like i forget the the amount but like a million and a half you know personalities streaming through it mm-hmm. um, like that of course is the, the big sci-fi element and also i guess like the the cameras that they use that's another sci-fi element but yeah but it it it, it kind of grounds it into the quote-unquote future but not that much into future it's not that you know far-fetched although i'm sure if they tried you know somebody could make those suits those crazy looking suits right. <laughs> but yeah. it's not it's not way too far into the future like you said yeah
1: and uh and the cast is just ridiculous like i just like i always like i mean keanu reeves obviously and then uh robert Downey jr right before this is right around his you know big comeback uh and uh yeah and the you know woody harrelson when Ryder. uh and just every performance is all those five main performances are really great stuff uh rory cochran's great he's always a scene stealer and this is the first time i kind of uh, started paying attention to him as an actor. Uh, yeah, just great stuff all around.
0: Yeah. I, I as I'm impressed by the cast so much that, well, I, I of course, Keanu, like <laughs> he's made, you know, to give lines to, to, to read Philip K. Dick lines. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> it, it just flows so naturally from his voice. This is what, this is already like one of my favorite Keanu performances. I because of those line readings, especially you know by the end, and, and it will, or even halfway through when he talks about his family and like his house, I'm like, oh, it's 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 a beautiful connection, you know, between actor and mm-hmm. script, and you know the the author's voice. So yeah, I'll just say Keanu in this is incredible. I'm glad Linklater talked him into doing another sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah, because I read I read that Linklater was like hesitant because. He's like maybe Kano won't, won't want to do another sci-fi movie after ha- having just done the Matrix trilogy, you know. But I'm I'm happy Kano agreed to it because and, and like uh, I'm I'm assuming it's because you know the script is great. Uh, that's what the other actors said they agreed to do it because the script was so good. So yeah, it's it's a wonderful cast and I, I like that Rory Cochran. Um, yeah, I I mean he's like a bit actor. He's like a supporting.
1: Yeah, he's one of those great support. He's he's, a, he's a bad guy at this point. Like one of the great. Like I, I think he'll go down as one of those character actors that just and he disappears into the roles and uh, which like I mean I this is the first time I remember seeing him and I'm like yeah that, that, that's if I didn't know who he was I would assume that they just found a guy you know off the street that would yeah. be perfect for that character
0: like when 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 I was like, like uh, watching like the trailers or something just to get ready for it or just seeing clips of it i didn't recognize him and then it wasn't until like i looked it up later it's like oh that's him yeah that's like you said he's just a character actor. he's like one of those guys and i also forgot that he was also in a uh, dazed confused mm-hmm. um so there's a connection there but no like he starts the movie off with that um that crazy like uh, the bugs in his uh all over himself um and the the, the aphids right right and yep. it, it's his eyes that are like <laughs> it's yeah a, it's an animated movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His eyes and his face. He's, like, so perfect for this, you know, crazy role of, like, this, like, guy who's, like, on on this drug and just hallucinating. So, yeah, he, he's a he's stand up for me. You know, everybody else is amazing. But him, his performance is just, I guess, I guess uh, Linklater knew that this guy has this face, has these eyes that can, like, perfectly fit the role of this guy who's just had too much of this drug.
1: Yeah, and the, and the fa- and just the the conceit of it being uh, the animated over uh, with using rotoscoping, so they you know trace over each frame. It's like it's a perfect match of it doesn't it doesn't feel gimmicky at all. It just feels like it works based on if you're thinking of this world where half of the population is addicted to this uh, substance, you know, the substance D. Like it just it just works, uh, and it's but then it also just gives it this feeling of. Uh, you know, surrealism from the beginning and throughout, and you're never really sure what's real and what's not. It's just kind of it, it's a perfect match of medium to uh, uh, thematics and stuff. It's it's really awesome.
0: Yeah, and I'm surprised. Uh, maybe it's been done before, but never as like um, never with a director this high profile, and never with a cast you know this high profile. I don't think. Right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, since the since this movie came out. Nothing has like come close to it, so no. it's, a sh- it's a shame because this this style the style of animation, yeah, with this it works perfectly. You know, everybody is addicted to this drug, and this is to me the way I see it is like this is how they see the world, you know. But um, but yeah, I I w- I, I wish like another director would use this style like in their movie. Like I'm surprised like somebody like Steven Soderbergh hasn't done it before. So,
1: yeah. And I mean, and I mean, movies have done like lots of animated films, uh, have done it. Uh, I mean, Snow White was, was, a, was one of the first movies to use it. Uh, and, but there's all, again, it's just very, it's limited just to get the idea of movement and nature and like just a but it wasn't the entire film, uh, Very few movies have done the entire film that way. I mean, he did it with uh, Waking Life, which I need to see. Um, But, yeah, I love that he used that conceit for the entire film and with these big, great actors and, uh, again, adaptation of one of the best sci-fi writers around. And it's just, yeah, I'd mean, i even like to see Linklater do it again.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, to kind of complete his uh, trilogy trilogy of of rotoscope movies. And uh, I haven't seen Waking Life yet. I mean, I've seen that clip of um uh ethan hawk and julie delpy uh playing the characters right. from the before trilogy in that movie but no, and also <laughs> just before we recorded i i watched the clip of alex jones and waking life <laughs> which um i mean i know it's we're, we're jumping around and right. uh, you, you, yeah you said off mic that, that was fine because this is that type of movie that warrants jumping around but I, I've said this before on one podcast I want to say it again Alex Jones okay everybody here in Austin from what I hear from the stories that, that, that they that they tell is Alex Jones is just is that character that he's he's playing now is a character mm-hmm. he's, he's been he's been growing that character in Austin for years for decades <laughs> link later even knew it like and that's why he put him in waking life and then later in a scanner darkly because you know, in, in a scanner darkly he plays a guy in a megaphone Angry, angry at the government. He -hmm. gets he gets he gets gets, uh, taken away by guy from uh, by government agents, I assume, in a van. So he gets taken away. (laughs) It's a big joke. And Alex Jones was in on the joke for the longest time, like in in Austin. Like he would go to uh, draft house theaters and you know in character, like introduce movies and and do all this. But then you know people started to take him seriously, (laughs) and then we all know the end of that story. But yeah, it. You know, back then, and it's probably I, I guess it's good for me to explain it because people may be confused as to why Linklater would have <laughs> <laughs> Alex Jones in his movie. That's why, because back then, you know, in the '90s and 2006, um, you know, it was a joke. This whole Alex Jones thing was a joke. So that's why he's in that movie. That's why he's in those two movies by Linklater. So there you go. It's it's weird though, even still, knowing all that and and watching that scene.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so is it, it basically yeah. that he was like like he was just that kind of personality at the t- like just he just it was just an act, like just to, Yeah. It was just all then, an act, yeah. But then and people then, started like, I'll pay you to talk about this and we'll I'll listen to a radio show about like him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, like he 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 bought into his own, you know, bullshit and and he figured he could make money off of it and build an empire off of it. So, and then he just rode with it. So, ah, it's it's one of the strangest things, I guess. Well, it's it, in in the era we live in now. It's not that strange, but just it's strange having to think of that when watching a really good Linklater movie. <laughs> having to think of politics in the current era and how um a stooge like that rose to the top Um, it's
1: just wild how yeah how fast things have changed because it's only 12 years ago but it feels like almost a lifetime ago in terms of that yeah that alex jones is just there and it doesn't (laughs) distract i mean it's almost yeah i can't imagine if you had zero awareness of that and then watching it now for the first time knowing who he is it would be a weird yeah so Thank you for explaining that, to <laughs> it's, our audience.
0: Yeah. But. yes, but uh, but yeah, folks, it, it's it's weird
1: because this was this was filmed in Austin. Uh, oh yes, yeah, as Linklater always does or tends to do. Yes, uh, he, so. he tends
0: to do that. Yeah, and yeah, um, before we recorded this morning, I, I looked at um, some of the locations where he filmed it. Like uh, he filmed it some, he filmed some of it, um, like the, the, the headquarters where Keano. Uh, he does his place work. Mm-hmm. Some of that is filmed behind a Target, like near mm-hmm. downtown. <laughs> so it's it's funny looking up where he shoots things and and like he, uh, I mean Linklater should just he, he treats Austin like his backyard, mm-hmm. like you know boyhood. Uh, is is a, is another huge movie where he shoots a lot of stuff in Austin and in Texas, and it's just funny to think that he had you know Keanu, Rob Downey Jr., Woody Harrelson, Winona Ryder, you know, everybody down here in Austin to shoot <laughs> this photoscope movie, you know back you know f- you know thirteen fourteen years ago, and yeah, and like even through the animation, I can tell it's 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 a game I like to play with link with the Linklater movies. You know when I see a movie. Of his, I'm like, oh, I, I've driven past there before, and and I could still do it with this, even though it's like rose scope animation. I'm like, oh, like I've driven down that street before. <laughs> I'm about to drive that down the street today. So yeah, it's I, I like that that Austin vibe is, is still there, even with this
1: doubling you know. for uh, Anaheim, California. Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's animated, so they can just simply add the like add some palm trees, add some you know exactly. add yeah. California plates.
0: Uh, But you can't you can't fully escape you know that 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 sense of Austin in in it. So I like that. Even though yeah, like I said, Sam, it's supposed to be set in California, but he he cannot shake that Austin vibe, which is which is great for him. Uh, That's why I I I love the guy because he has those Texas those Austin roots.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so this uh, this scene the scenes with uh, so uh, we'll spoil it spoilers here. Uh, So it turns out that. Uh, So Keanu plays uh, this Fred-slash-Bob. So he's basically... And you're never really sure exactly how much uh, they're telling us is accurate. Like, you know, that he's this... I mean, he's clearly an undercover agent. uh, But it's like... uh, But they... uh, It's unclear how much... Because he says he's playing... Bob Arctor is his real name. But is that his real name? And is he... You know, it's almost... Uh, it's hard to describe, but uh, oh
0: yeah, I I had trouble following it <laughs> because wait, wait, let me try. So he, so he's so Kendall's character is an undercover agent, but his boss doesn't know who exactly he is.
1: Right. So he, they're they're always they're always wearing these scramble suits uh, when they're in their offices, so that basically agents never know who another agent is. Uh, so he's hunting after this drug ring um, that is run by this guy named Bob and it turns out that he is Bob uh, <laughs> and so basically his boss tells him to start uh, surveilling himself
0: yeah but yeah his boss doesn't know which which. because uh, yeah, they're monitoring Bob's house and in Bob's house are these characters uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays James, Woody Harrelson is Ernie And Donna is one owner writer, and like they're all hanging out in this house. And, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, Bob's boss is like, okay, you're going to, you're going to, he goes, I know you're one of these people, (laughs) but I'm going to have you, you know, track these people and keep an eye on Bob, you know, just to see what, what kind of, you know, shit he pulls, but you
1: could be Bob. (laughs) Because you're, and yeah. And the whole thing that this drug that they never fully explain, which is great. Like it's. Uh, I mean they refer to it as death they refer to it as uh, that it basically it fucks with your brain chemistry and your hemispheres of your brain but like the fact that they never explain it makes everything confused but it's, that's part that's intentional though it's like it's not uh and then at the end it all makes sense but for a while while you're felt while you're going through it it's like uh you're scrambled but that's uh part of I think it's that's a uh feature not a bug
0: yeah <laughs> Um any yeah, of the, the the substance D the one you know they're referencing the one they're trying to um bring down cuz like that's who hey, Bob's trying to get like to, to, to the big guys who sell this this drug. Yeah, like that's like never. I mean it's just a it's it's so generic. Right. You know, it's it's in red pill form which I'm I'm pretty sure it's not, you know, a callback to the matrix. No, sure. <laughs> um but you know, you know, Bob takes it. He takes it two or three, you know, it seems like every every hour or whatever. Right. He's taking a lot of this stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just so generic and that's totally on purpose. It's not like su- some, super, you know, uh, you know, over that like convoluted drug where they inject it or something. It's just pills. That's it. And that's totally on purpose because it's by the end, it all makes sense. It's like addiction is so, it's so easy to get yourself rolled up in it. That's it's, it's as easy as just taking these pills and that's it. So, yeah, it's super generic, but it works in the context of this movie.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, basically, it res- yeah, I mean, it's about the uh, you know hypocrisy and bullshit of the war on drugs, and about how they care more about the. I mean, it's it's literally like the their paranoid delusions that they have are actually very accurate. Like they think everyone's spying on them. They think that <laughs> yeah. they're intent, they're, they want them to be on drugs. You know that they're both uh, you know providing. The drug, and then that they're also providing the cure, and it's like you know that the uh, that the same people manufacturing the drug are the same people that are uh, you know profiting from the treatment of it, and so it's uh, I mean they they ramble about this stuff, and but it's actually not that uh, I mean Phil K. Dick is known to be very uh, prescient in his uh, sci-fi predictions, and this is one of those cases as well where like uh, I mean. They're not necessarily, they don't have hologram suits and everything, but at the same time they are, uh, there's more truth to the paranoia than, uh, you'd think.
0: And, you know, not to bring up politics again, but I'll bring it up. It, it, and it's something I said earlier. Um, it's so prescient now in 2019, like it feels super modern. Like, And that's Philip K. Dick's work. You know, it's, it's. It's it's what he was um, great at is predicting the future, uh, he, and he did that by observing the present, you know, back then and knowing where things were going and know, knowing how things, you know, wouldn't change, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> yeah. this has been going on for for decades. Yeah, I and mean, f-
1: yeah, he wrote it in the seventies, and that stuff is still happening. I mean, that's like yeah. you know, it's, it's wild. And,
0: and the fact that you could say it's even worse now with how insurance companies nowadays, yeah, they're on both sides of this. Um, this, this problem with addiction that America is currently facing—how they control? Yes, you know, uh, for for this many dollars, uh, we'll cover you going to rehab. But also, that's that's on one hand, and then on the other hand, hey, we're backing these pharmaceutical companies that are, you know, making it a lot easier for people to uh, be given these these pills and and to, to be quickly addicted. It's it's it's, it's a cycle of addiction and pain that's being fueled by not only like the pharmaceutical companies, but insurance companies, you know, politicians, right. It's, it's a vicious cycle and it's, it's been going on for decades. So the fact that this plays so well nowadays, is it's sad, but again, it's, it's all credit to, you know, Philip K. Dick being so, um, he's just so, he was just so aware of how shitty things are and how shitty mm-hmm. things continue to be.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And I'm just, Keanu is so, again, just coming back, I keep coming back to, uh, I mean, when you're actually watching the movie, it doesn't Keanu almost, uh, I mean, he doesn't like Woody Harrelson and, uh, Robert A. Jr. Have most of the dialogue in the, in these scenes, but it's mostly because, uh, but it works because they keep coming back to, uh, Keanu. And again, we've, uh, broken record, but Keanu, we've discussed in this podcast for a while that Keanu's just great at uh, reactions. He's great at nonverbal performances. And even when he, again, like you said, there's, he, he's perfect for the line delivery. But even in those scenes where it's mostly uh, just the hilarious uh, paranoia of uh, uh, RDJ and Woody Harrelson, uh, again, just perfect. Uh, everyone is just perfectly cast uh for those role like of course Woody would be uh, you know, stoner slacker who thinks everyone's out to get him. Like it just it works. Uh but just just but in those scenes, Keanu they keep coming back to Keanu to show him uh the breaks with reality and the way he's uh responding to this, you know, kind of insane situation and uh yeah, he's just perfect in it.
0: Yeah. I, I want to highlight two things about that. Um, yeah, like, first, a, a Candle's reaction shots. Especially that moment when he looks around the room and he sees, you know, Robert Downey Jr. like turning into a bug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even through that rotoscope animation, you get that Candle reaction, which <laughs> I find hilarious. And I'm like, yes, that's perfectly a Candle moment. Right? Yep. And then another thing I want to highlight is a Robert Downey Jr. Like, yeah, this this is like, he's fully into. He's not into full comeback mode, because that would be Iron Man, like, right. uh, two years away. But he's, like, rolling really into it. Like, he he was just in Zodiac. Uh, I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is, like, a year away. So he's... Or was it 2004? Anyway, like, you know, Zodiac, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Scanner Darkly. It was all within a matter of years. So he's he's just building... He's, he's building towards that huge comeback, which will happen in Iron Man. But he's, like, fully committed... And I love that he's playing this role. He's 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 ex- <laughs> he's not backing away from a role that uh, puts an eye on his personal problems. Right. You know? Because yeah, in the nineties, and a big reason why he had that downfall is because his his, his uh, addiction issues. Right. Right. He was in rehab. He had those you know public uh, problems. But he he faces it head on here. He plays that <laughs> that stoner, that guy on these drugs. He plays essentially like the villain in this, and he's just reveling in it. Like he's he's doing every little Robert Downey Junior. mannerism that uh, that that's made him so famous. Like these little hand motions, these little eye movements.
1: Yeah, and the little uh, just the delivery of words. Like uh, there's one uh, I'm blanking on it right now, but there's just a specific way he pronounces. Uh, yeah. I'll- i'm blanking on it now but just the way he pronounces certain words is uh, i think it's i great. think
0: one of them is like murder is like are they trying to murder you or something yeah, like that right. yeah, yeah 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 but no uh he's he's just so damn good in this like that the like i said like the these movies leading up to iron man it's like
1: yeah this was the the year after uh, both good night and good luck and kiss kiss bang that's right
0: it's another, another one I forgot about good night good luck I, he it's like he's 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 thirsty for it. He's, he's he wants to make it known that he's mm-hmm. here he's doing all these interesting roles and yeah the best is yet to come you know hit for him career wise but yeah but yeah I loved him in this
1: yeah and then Woody Harrelson so funny uh so there's a so there's a scene um probably my favorite my favorite scenes in the movie are these uh where it's just them, uh, like there's, like them in a road trip, or uh, before that, uh, J- Junior, Robert Downey Jr. brings home uh, a bike, like a, it's an 18-speed bike, and just the way these conversations are just great. Uh, and, like, uh, Winona Ryder being great, as always, uh, just, like, uh, it's so good to see uh, Keanu and just those four actors together that you've never seen together in one movie, delivering hilarious... Uh, Link later dialogue is It's heaven. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, um, that that little road trip. It's it goes on for so long, but I love it because it, it it's its own little movie within the movie. Because like the car breaks down, you know they they're talking to, uh, amongst themselves like who did it? Like somebody you know messed with this car. Like so, somebody's after us, and then they get into the into the tow, to the tow truck, right? I th- mm-hmm. Or I, f- I forget how what the sequence is, but they talk about how Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Like, left the door unlocked. Yeah, while, the they're, while they're in the tow
1: truck uh, <laughs> bringing right, the car yeah. back, he says, like, that I, I booby-trapped the house. And he's like, why would you do that? And he's like, why would you care that I booby-trapped your house? He goes on for <laughs> so
0: long. I love it. Like, he's like, oh, there's a sign on the door. Or not. Or there could be. I don't know. Yeah,
1: he's like, are you bullshitting us? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> but those three together, they have the best chemistry together. Like, and And the fact that they're all... You know, no, because like Keanu's played like that kind of, like not stoner, but like kind of that 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 um, the slacker, you know, personality, the like aloof, he, like, yeah, the, the aloof guy, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Danny Junior. and Woody Harrelson, they they do it like they oh, Linklater is like a genius getting these three together, like in this in this film, and mm-hmm. that scene. That scene just proves how well they play together with this dialogue. You know, and it, again, it reminds me of something, you know, from Days of Confused or from Slacker. Like Linklater's just letting them play, letting the scene play out, letting these characters just, you know, talk bullshit for, her, right. for its, it seems like 10 minutes, but ah, I love it, a love it so much.
1: Uh, Yeah, and so the, uh, as it becomes, throughout the movie, it just becomes increasingly uh, uh, harder to follow, but on purpose, like the paranoia, like, as uh, Keanu's paranoia is building and his, uh, you know, his brain being more and more affected by this drug and. Uh, but even just these, so there's this sequence right after where the sequence is with him and these scientists that are trying to, uh, you know, figure out if he's, uh, addicted or not. is just so great. Uh, the left, there's whole, I could, uh, study just those scenes over and over. Cause there's talk about how, uh, it messes with your, makes your left brain and right brain like switch. And like the scientists are on either side of him. Yeah. Uh, like talk, it's just really, uh, it's just fascinating and I can't, uh, it's hard to describe. It's almost, this is a movie that, uh, you just need to see to before, uh, hopefully that you've seen this movie before, uh, listening to us ramble about, yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, they're just really well done. Uh, I could, I think it might be my favorite, uh, Linklater movie, to be honest. Uh, I, the more I think about it, it's just, it's really, uh, interesting from top to bottom and I could, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Those scenes in particular, it shows how technical a director Linkler can be. Like, I know he's not known for that. Like, he's not like a Fincher or somebody who can, you know, who's, who's well known for piecing um, scenes together, like with, um, you know, staging or whatnot. He's just very matter-of-fact matter in mm-hmm. the best way. He's like, you know, you, you look at Boyhood and the before movies, even like uh, Everybody Wants Some, it's just, it's staged like, you know, Simple, two shot, there you go. But it's like the dialogue that always drives it. You know, he's he's, he's right. synonymous with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Not to say he's a bad director. I think no. he's, he's, he's wonderful.
1: I, I think this is yeah. proof. This is the one of the movies where, and I haven't seen all of his movies either, but this is, I feel like this is the one where he's really shows how uh, efficient in terms of storytelling, visual storytelling yeah. he can be. And the, even just the, there's some really next level shots in here that are just kind of thrown in there and then like there's a there's a the shot of uh, the tow truck driver just makes me think like something that Soderbergh would do like it's like a <laughs> like camera play it's almost like he could only do that because of this animation style but it's like it's just a really great shot or there's this one where uh, Downey Jr. comes out with a hammer and there's this shot like of the hammer looking up from the hammer to like Harrelson and uh, Keanu and it's just it's really impressive and I think this is one of him showing like this is what I can do, even when I don't always want to do that. Uh,
0: exactly, but it's- yeah. and and for me, it, it's those scenes with the doctors that I'm like, oh, like with these shots, like his visual storytelling uh, potential is there. You know, he doesn't always like to show it. He's not. I guess my point is like he's not a flashy director, right? But but when he has this material, when you know he has reason to do it, you know he does it, and it's. Like I'm kind of blown away by how, like you said, Sam. Like those shots of the doctors, were, like they're split, you know, mm-hmm. between left and right frame, and how they talk about the left and right hemisphere. It's like those are like expertly done, you know. So yeah, as a visual storyteller, like this is to me. I mean, you say it's your favorite. This might be my favorite of his. That's uh, that has that shows his visual storytelling. Yeah, like at its best. So yeah,
1: I mean, I, it, there's one. There's like. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, Daisy of Confuse will probably always be the one that I watch the mo- rewatch the most, uh, and also uh, more recently, like everybody wants some. But like, in terms of him being, yeah, like like showing off his visual chops, this is uh, it'll be like it's up there for me. Um.
0: And, and for me, I might put Boyhood as my favorite of his. If, if anybody's curious, or if they're not, then who cares? I told you already. <laughs> but yeah, but but Boyhood to me is his masterpiece. So. I mean, yeah. And, but this, I need to say this a few more times because this has, this has potential of getting up there with some of, um, with one of his favorite movies for me of all time. So yeah, boy.
1: But, uh, yeah. So the, as it, uh, you know, he starts trying to figure out like, uh, maybe he's also, Cameron's almost starting to doubt that he is like, the like, uh, is he the dealer? Is he the guy that, is he just doing this because, uh, and you know, because he's trying to bust the guy, because uh, maybe it's Barris, but then like, uh, yeah, it's just uh, so interesting the way it uh, the paranoia builds and the like again as he starts seeing people turn into bugs, you know, it gets very Kafka esque and uh, <laughs> but the uh, and then as it starts to get more uh, like they show this like the surveillance suite where they're looking uh, where he like watches the surveillance cameras, uh, it's almost it's so odd, like it's this abandoned apartment building and there are other people watching and it's like, how much of that is real? Especially when we find out at the end where, uh, spoilers here now, like where we find out that Hank uh, is Donna. And so that whole thing of like, when we find out the twist that uh, she's been using him this whole time to try to bust open uh, the Substance D uh, conspiracy. And that's just so... It's done so matter of factly. Like when she, when we find this out, it's just really interesting how it uh, reveals itself and then it just throws everything we've seen up to this point into question.
0: Yeah. um, It's, to me, it's like, it's heartbreaking uh, by the very end. Yeah, because again, you said spoilers. I hope people manage to watch this before listening to this. Um, and even so, if you know the spoiler, it's I think it still plays. Uh,
1: well, because yeah, even the, the way that they, the way he writes it, the way he shoots it, and the way, especially Ryder plays it, is yeah, it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, because yeah, like like you said, Sam, it throws like everything you've just seen up up until this point. Especially when they say when uh, Donna. Well, I guess by this point, her, her she has a different name. She uses her real name by the end, right? Uh, she has a talk with that guy from the rehab clinic. Right. Mm-hmm. And they reveal themselves to be in you know, a part of this, um, like other agency or whatever that has been using Keanu. Like <laughs> again, like, like everything you thought of up until this point, it's a lie. Like they're using him just to get into this farm that the rehab center runs and where they're growing that substance D. So he was, and he doesn't know this. So, you know, uh, Bob or whatever his old name is now, I forget. You know, Kendall's character. He doesn't know that he's being used. You know, for this purpose to again be an undercover cop in this huge operation, and that dinner scene with uh, that that diner scene with uh, Ren- Winona Ryder's character and the other guy. They're discussing, you know, kennel's fate. It that's heartbreaking to me because they're like, how could like I, I, we're we're using this this guy, you know, to use somebody's life like that without even knowing you know mm-hmm. that's <laughs> that's messed up and again and it plays into that message by the end about addiction and how this whole game is being played and the ones who get addicted the ones who suffer the ultimate consequence of like of dying or having this these uh these these horrible side effects i, I it's part of a system and it's it's only people who are higher up that are just that that they're not playing that are that are um, that are winning, you know. That are that are you know, you know getting their dues from this. You know, people who are dying and people who are suffering. Ah, yeah, it's rough, man. Well, yeah,
1: that, that <laughs> both like the people that are uh, th- this. So they're trying. Basically, it's that they're trying to bust this rehab center that they believe is making the drugs. So that they're both that they're you know creating supply and demand. They're both flooding the dr- streets with the drugs. And then providing the miracle cure uh, to to people, uh, but we're really what they're just uh, yeah. But then so that they're doing that is bad. But then also the people that are trying to fight that are doing similarly fucked up, uh, morally questionable things. So it's like who's the real you know uh, bad guy in the situation? And it's both it's, it's both of them. It's both the uh, manufacturers of this drug, but then also the people that are fighting it for whatever uh bullshit reason. Uh it's yeah, it's uh it's not yeah, when Nora just plays it so well, like her questioning this but still uh just being talked into it, she's still not gonna uh change it, you know. It's yeah, it's uh she's really great in this, uh everyone is. And that's uh but before we get to the very final scene I want to talk go track back a little bit to this uh scene where Freck kills himself uh, it's so it's, that yeah. scene is so surreal and great and the dialogue is actually or the so this narration is delift, lifted almost directly from the book uh, uh, where it's uh, like describing this matter of fact way he's going to kill himself and then he like sees this creature from the ninth dimension uh, it's, uh, it's just it's a really well done scene and it's uh, there's this great moment where he like where he hears the narration over the radio uh, and <laughs> And it's yeah. just, it's really well done.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that little sequence. And again, like uh, Rory Cochrane uh, playing Frank is, that's perfect casting uh, and like his reaction to, you know, what's going on that narration. And it's, it, again, it's another point uh, where Linklater, you know, it's a perfect marriage of Linklater's voice and Philip K. Dick's voice. And how you said, like um, the narration is like directly from the book. Right. I, I, link Lair just lets it lets that play over the visuals mm-hmm. and yeah it's uh, uh, this movie <laughs> it is amazing
1: really yeah, that,
0: yeah that scene is a reason why this movie works so well it's because link Lair knows how to use that philip k dick voice how not to change it uh how to let it play uh but you also have you know distinctly a, a link letter character distinctly in it you know with Warwick Cochran because like he to me that's a Linklater character and then the fact that you see that you know the what the beast from the ninth dimension uh animated like that so yeah it's it's a perfect use of the medium of this of this uh of uh, of, of the animation and also like i said the script and the direction so oh it's perfect
1: yeah and uh then yeah it's as we uh so basically that we find out that yeah that uh, Donna, whoever she is, the, the real Donna uh, was using uh, Bob as you know basically telling him basically, maybe he was never uh, you know an agent. It was just that was just a way of uh, getting him into this situation. Like it was maybe he was just a family man who got addicted to the drug and then uh, they're using him to uh, bust this ring open. And it's basically like, we need to destroy this guy's brain so that we can take him to this farm. Uh, so they can take him to this rehab center uh, because basically the only only way that we can stop this is by destroying a guy's life and making him a husk, because it's the only people they'll take Uh, and it's, yeah, it's really as you, I I like how later slowly uh, spells that out, like he doesn't just tell you exactly what's happening, it's very much uh, through the visuals and through uh, but like, Keanu uh, as he shows up at this farm, the way he just blankly—it's uh, just really sad. Like the uh, th- this guy will tell him something, and he'll just repeat it and go like, "Yeah, I'll do that. I'm 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 compliant." It's uh, heartbreaking, but then also that uh, oddly hopeful in the final those final shots. Uh, but yeah. still, still, still very nihilistic. Also, but it's yeah, a <laughs> hey, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a impressive balance.
0: A, a tiny bit of hopefulness yeah. to me, a, a almost minuscule <laughs> moment of happiness, of hope, uh, hopefulness. I should say, not happiness. That uh, Keanu might, um, yeah, because that that whole dialogue with the flower, how he's going to take it to his friends at Thanksgiving, um, mm-hmm. but then you don't again, you don't see the 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 outcome of that. You know, no. the camera pulls, yeah. yeah, camera pulls back, and you see him in the field, you know, walking through it, and then it fades out, and that's it and that's it and then you get that the the, the, the beautiful text by Philip K. Dick basically um, uh, uh, memorializing the friends who he's lost or the friends who've suffered greatly you know from drug addiction and oh that's that that's that's the heaviest part for me you know bringing it all back to how Philip K. Dick uh, that again it's a, a semi-autobi- semi-autobiographical like how it's real how you know people are addicted and how easily they, they fall into those traps and you know, they either die or suffer greatly. So yeah, there's a bit of hopefulness again with it, but it, but it's,
1: but (laughs) it's like, it's there, but then it's like, but it's at the same time, that final, final shot of the zoom out of that. This field is just filled with people like him that are, uh, that they're literally, they destroy their lives and now they're growing it to destroy more lives. And it's like, yeah, it's brutal. Uh, it's, but it's like, uh, that he gets that flower, but at the same time, what's that going to change? Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's impressive. And uh, so I noticed that, so one of the names in the end credits is actually Philip K. Dick puts his own name in there, uh, yeah. that he, uh, you know, permanent pancreatic damage. And then also, uh, link later put one of his professors, uh, who also died of, uh, something. So it's, yeah, it shows that personal connection that, uh, like later, might ha- I don't know the full story there, but uh, it's still an interesting point of fact. Um, but yeah, this is just fascinating. I think uh, both Keanu fans should check it out if they haven't seen it. Uh, it's for sure one of his best roles.
0: Uh, Absolutely, yeah. But I
1: it's yeah it's it's all it's I remember it, it had it had a good reaction when it came out, but for some for whatever reason, it's just not something is talked about as much. Both. For Keanu or like, Linklater's career, and I think it has career best work from most people involved. Some of the or yeah. at least top uh, top tier.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean we, we we ran through it. Like um, Robert Downey Jr. has has some amazing stuff in this. Again, Keanu some of the best work I've seen from him, especially that reading that Philip K. Dick dialogue. Even Winona Ryder, yeah, we touched on it. Like she plays like um like a junkie. For the majority of it but then she reveals her true self and that final diner scene of hers is, is some of the best work i've seen from her and yeah so and then also link later like uh, his his direction here is some of the best i've seen from him too so please <laughs> people listen to this you may have already seen it already good uh talk about it more for those who haven't seen it who listen to this whole thing seek it out because yeah it's one that should be talked about more especially in in this day of age where it plays maybe even more importantly than before so yeah there you go scanner darkly uh
1: but yeah it's just a fascinating movie and i definitely think uh should be talked about more uh and it's uh it's great to see you know keanu and winona Ryder. you know this is their their second time together and um but yeah just i think it's definitely worth checking out um Please watch it. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for being on, Marcelo.
0: Thank you, Sam, for having me, or, or uh, as I should say, for me forcing you to have <laughs> me on. Thank you.
1: All right, that's it for this episode. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Join me next time we'll be discussing uh, Street Kings. Until then, keeping excellent to each other.